to another episode of the Third Person Podcast, everybody. My name is Chris Milhouse. More joined, as always, with uh, Mr. Daryl Hammond and Mr. Mm. Jim Search, our producer. How we doing, boys? How we feeling today? Better than ever. Man. Yeah. A million, million dollar in wick checks, Chris. Mm-hmm. All right. A lot of heel kicks this week or what? <laughs> yeah. Just uh, walking on sunshine over here. Every day is a, <clears throat> every day is another day for the highlight reel, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I like how we're we're, car- we're carrying over from uh, the Linda Cohn interview. I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm looking at my calendar on the wall and I'm putting stars on every day, <laughs> every day. Perfect, man. I love to hear that shit. Uh, it's great. Uh, Daryl's been out in L.A. doing some cool shows out there. Did one with the legendary Bill Burr. Last week, and uh, you know, he even got he even got recognized by uh, the old TMZ. They uh, they gave him a little interview there. I don't know if it ever aired, but uh, you know, Daryl Daryl got the uh, the third degree from a couple of questions. But I, I heard they were really nice. How they how they treat you? I, I thought they were really nice, but the guy was doing his job. I mean, if he can fuck knock something out of my mouth, it could be a headline. I mean, the guy's gonna he's gonna pick it up, but. I mean, I've, I, when I'm in an interview, I have to realize no matter how friendly they are, I have to realize um, how potentially dangerous they could be. Right. The main thing to do when you're doing an interview is like with me, I don't ever like go, Hey, I hope I get, I hope I blow up today. Hope I say something that goes viral because <laughs> it's, it's not right. And it's not smart. And, you know, I was having dinner at Swingers out here in Los Angeles, and the guy approached me. And he, he was very friendly, but, you know, he asked me about Joe Rogan's comment. Um, do you recall the comment? I don't recall it exactly. Um, something about how, what is it, like straight white males are not going to be able to uh, have an, a voice and opinion about things after a while. Something uh, along those lines. I mean, don't quote me, people. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I mean, I just said, listen, I've admired Joe on a couple of different levels for a while. And, you know, I, he doesn't, he strikes me as a guy that doesn't mince words. I know he, he thought about what he said and he meant what he said. And, but I don't know enough to know if yeah. he's right. I don't know. This is why you're a pro, Daryl Hammond. All right. Like you, you answer the question, but also without answering the question, you, you, you're very, you're very like a much a wordsmith and not like the Lenny Dykstra type of wordsmith where you're more of an actual person who uh, carefully chooses answers. Uh, and I, I, I admire that about you, man. I admire that. Oh, wait, wait yeah. you hear the Jesse Jackson. Mm. That was, a, um, because you know I played Jesse Jackson and we um, made, painted my face. You know, this is back in like the day though. This is what like early two thousands, maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know, at that time we were reaching out through really reliable back channels to um, the Jackson family and wanted <clears throat> to know how much um, we respected how he felt and if he was uncomfortable that his discomfort would be more important than playing his part because we didn't really want to interfere with it. You know, the work of a civil rights leader or he's an actor doing a job. If you, if you don't feel comfortable, you know, we'll respond appropriately to it, you know? 
Yeah. And, um, that's very courteous. And that's, you know, I mean, the truth is I've been studying Jesse Jackson and Martin Luther King since I was 12 years old. I mean, the message of a great civil rights leader resonates to a little, a little white kid too. Um, who's, you know, in a, in a home where there's, there's some abuse, you know? And so I, I, it meant a lot to me to be able to, to play him. I've did him at the Apollo once and, our stance with him was this guy is so much charisma. And when we see him, he's so powerful all the time. Does he ever have casual conversations? That's the premise. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of yeah. hard to, to be for anyone to look at that and go, wow, you were very disrespectful. We were not. We admired him. I admired him, wanted to do him. Was it okay with him? That's the way we approached it. So the TMZ asked you about something you did 20 years ago. And was still like you're trying to dig up some sort of thing on you, which is kind of dumb. It's just like I feel like that that dude was just reaching, trying to figure out some kind of dirt. But uh, good for you not giving him anything. And, you know, I mean, also, dude, like, isn't there something more current you can talk about? I mean, between that and you got the Joe Rogan thing, I guess. But I don't know. That just seems like. Well, a, yeah, I mean, they wanted to question. They wanted to get talk about the cancel culture. No. And and um, the woke movement, and I just go. I'm just doing live shows in LA, and I would like anyone from woke and cancel culture to come to my show. And as you know, Chris, you make you produce these shows. It couldn't possibly be more multicultural, and the yeah, audiences so. couldn't possibly be more multicultural. There isn't anyone that, that, that feels disenfranchised or unrepresented. I mean, these are two-hour shows, and the lineup is, is picked to be multicultural. So I, Absolutely. I, I'm like, come to the show. Yeah, I mean, Jim's doing shows with me before. I mean, I, how do you feel about the lineups? I mean, I feel like they're always, they always cover pretty much. Well, I mean, better. if we look at the lineup we got coming up, right? Like, I'm on I'm, it. Roy Wood's on it. Uh, yeah, and yours on it, and that's like the nice plug uh, for the show coming up. Absolutely, uh, like, and you have Jessica Kirsten. So, like, I mean, I think in terms of representation, you have multiple perspectives there. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, look, one of those people's been on Cash Cab. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's Jim Search has been on Cash Cab and Bar Rescue. Thank let's, you. Let's be honest. Heroes walk among us, guys. Yeah. And for, the, for those of you that are listening, we are doing that show. Uh, Jim and I are going to be on this show. I'm hosting. Jim's going to open, but we have some great headliners, mm. like I mentioned. Melissa Villasenor from Saturday Night Live. Roy Wood Jr. from The Daily Show. Jessica mm. Kirsten, who's got a, uh, an hour special on Comedy Central produced by Bill Burr. Uh, and she has a new FX hysterical um, uh, documentary that's out right now. Anyway, this is a great killer lineup. Plus, we've got a couple special guests that are coming in. Um, you should get your tickets now. It is going to be on Saturday, Memorial Day weekend, May 29th at 8 p.m. at 235th. That's the address, 235th Avenue. Uh, it's a really cool venue. Uh, I wish Daryl was here to do the, the, jo- the show as well. God, if Daryl was on, that would be just an absolute killer lineup. We'd be crushing it. Tickets are going to be sold out soon. So go get your tickets if you're listening. Also, I'm going to plug real quick a Daryl show coming up. He's going to be in Las Vegas. For anybody listening, he's going to be in Vegas. Uh, he'll be there on uh, June 5th 
At With who? Notoriety at Neonopolis. Uh, that's the name of the venue, Neonopolis. It's going to be at 9 p.m. on June 5th. So mm-hmm. that's in Los Angeles. And, and who else is in that show? Um, Jeremy Piven. Oh, Jeremy Piven. Yeah, that's right. Jeremy Piven will be on the show with him. So, I mean, it's pretty cool, man. You got, you know, pretty two pretty fucking killer headliners. Plus, I'm sure the rest of the lineup is going to be great. So, uh, you know, go get tickets to that. Uh, and uh, like I said, if you guys are in New York, get tickets to the 235th show for Jim and I. It's going to be a really fun show. Um, you get to hang out at the rooftop, get to hear me yell about my dick. It's going to be great. That's what we do. <laughs> God, Chris, again, again with the dick. Oh, Jesus dick jokes, Christ. buddy. Dick jokes, my friend. That's what we're, it's the summer of Millhouse, and it's starting already. I'm just, I'm just envisioning someone listening right now, just like I was going to go to the show, but he's going to talk about his dick. I'm yeah, I'm going to dick jokes. No, thank you. I'm going to wait out there right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a blog. <laughs> You wouldn't believe the territory we cover out here uh, on that particular topic. Not yours, but oh, just yeah. in- <laughs> I was going to say, well, <laughs> well my just, Emma, you know, just, right just in general, I'm even, I'm, I'm even spinning a couple of yarns myself about okay. ch- ch- you know childhood. <laughs> <laughs> you can't help it. Win in Rome, fellas. The crowd yeah. seems to like it. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I mean, uh, LA is a, you know, it's it's such a weird place to do stand up. I've talked about this in the past, comparatively to New York. Uh, I love LA, but sometimes those the audience members can be a little tight because they're easily offended, or sometimes you get just a lot of actors in the audience who just uh, kind of almost jealous that you're doing what they want to do. You're in the spotlight, type of thing, type of thing. But uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's always a mixed bag. But the last time when I was back there, I thought the comedy crowds were so great because they've been, you know, the pandemic has like kind of loosened a lot of people up. It's kind of, you know, giving people some different perspective of, well, you know, you haven't been able to go out to a show in a long time. You haven't been able to laugh in a long time. You know, maybe it's, 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 you're seeing a, a new, a new wave of, you know, audiences out there. Maybe people will be more appreciative and a little less uptight, you know? Maybe yeah. your guess is as good as mine. Right, Jim? Could go any direction. Yeah. Could go any direction. Could be, could be anything. You know? I mean, mm-hmm. I was at a show in Bushwick. This was, like, right after the, you know, like, live shows were happening in New York. And the crowd, like, I was watching this comic, and I swear to God, he got halfway through the joke and just goes, oh, shit. And everybody erupted laughing. And I was like, <laughs> that's it? Get in now. If you thought about doing stand-up, come in now. The, the bar is low. This guy just said, oh, shit. And they loved it. So And got an applause break. Yeah. And legit, like, they car- They almost fucking carried about you know, on their shoulders. I was like, this is where we are? Hey, man, I'm ready. Low-hanging fruit at this point. So it remains to be seen if we're going to have to be good at this again. Right. Just kidding. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I'm having some good sets out here, and I feel like Strangely enough, I don't know why I've written like nine new minutes in six weeks. That's great. I haven't, That's awesome. I haven't like, yeah, I haven't like written in a long time, but I, <laughs> I had these ideas rumbling around in my head for a, a winter, you right. know, just sitting around thinking about my set, you know, and okay. I guess some of them, some of them were okay, kind of okay. I don't know how you are with your writing process, Daryl, but like for uh, for me personally, I don't know if you're the same way, but sometimes you just have to kind of work things out on stage. 
You know, like I, I start with like a premise. I start with, you know, I, I throw out an idea I have. And sometimes I let it kind of work itself out because you can go over it a thousand times in your head. But until you start really performing it in front of people, you don't really get a feel for it. You don't know what you, where you're going with it sometimes. Yeah, it's like shooting basketballs in the dark. I mean, where's the? I don't know where the hoop is. I can't see it. I mean, right. the thing has no value to me until I hear somebody laugh at it or not. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you just have to take something and run with it. That's the way I've been looking at things and been trying. I've been trying to do that myself out here. Um, we have our uh, we have a great guest for everybody today. Uh, this one's a little bit different, guys. I mean, you may not know our guest. He's not super famous, but you should know him. He's on a lot of stuff. Uh, but more importantly, he's an old buddy of mine. I'm sure Daryl's met him and done shows together with Daryl. Um, but he is a great comic. And he's a great actor. Um, he's got a laundry list of things that he's been on. Uh, he was a cast member on Mad TV. He's currently on the new NBC show called The Young Rock. Uh, he plays young Vince McMahon on that show, which is really fucking cool. Um, and he starred as the bad guy, uh, a huge role in a movie with uh, Mel- Melissa McCarthy and Sandra Bullock. It's called The Heat. Uh, he's got a huge list of comedy uh, you know comedy credits that he's got and uh before we add him on before we have him join us please just remember to rate us give us five stars when you get a chance we'd love you forever if you did that and also make sure to add us on social media daryl is at daryl c hammond and i am at chris millhouse with two l's and jim is at jim search uh let's see if uh adam is ready also to um i i need a hard out at one hour if that's possible guys i gotta go to the skin doctor Okay. Some skin cancer cut out, so I got to go back. Okay, good. Okay. Beautiful. I'm excited Beautiful. to meet this guy. Yeah. Let's see if Adam is ready. How's this? Check. There we go. Hey, buddy. Hey, Chris, Daryl. Hey, Adam. Cool hat, man. Thank you so much. Goran Brothers, you know. <laughs> I do now. What you rocking? That's a Seattle hat, right? Seattle Kraken, man. We have a hockey team coming finally uh, in the oh, fall. That's right. The Kraken. What a fucking name, man. I love what it. What a Kraken great, big... great name. Release yeah, the Kraken. The Kraken is a, um, is a uh, I guess, a serpent of the sea. Yeah. Chris, you might know this better. You're a big, uh, you're a big fan of mythological creatures. I'm a big sea person. Yeah. You're a big sea guy. <laughs> so they said they, they were going to nickname the arena the crack house and call the fans the crackheads i'm like i'm all for it dude are you serious please tell me that's true yeah well i mean it's crackhead said that so it's as true as it can be <laughs> the crackhead the kraken is a mythical sea monster right yes yeah okay. that's correct all righty um, here we go here, come, here comes the kraken <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> So Adam, we were just talking. We were just giving uh, you know a little background on you uh, to our listeners before uh, we had you join here. Uh, cool. Man, you're you're rocking out on some really cool stuff, though, man. How how has it been working on the uh, the new uh, NBC show, the the Young Rock? Uh, that's been cool. I've been playing uh, Dwayne's Left Nut, which is a big <laughs> uh, big stretch. You know, I know Daryl, you read for that, but it's yeah, know, yeah, I, I read a scheduling that. thing. Right, 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 right. I read for yeah. the tape, but, you know, of course, wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it wasn't they weren't good enough, Chris. It was just they went diverse on that hire. So uh, was, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I got yeah, you. He's, yeah. He's, um, you know, a little darker than, than you. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, it's been it's been cool, man. I mean, I'm, you know, only uh, in the first season, a couple episodes, Vince McMahon is not uh, yet a part of the uh, the story until 
really season two, which we just got picked up for. So hopefully I get to take steroids and, and get some Popeye arms going. I know you're like, but those Jewish arms look big enough. No, they're not, Daryl. They're not at all. So I got to get a bow flex, do some push-ups. Wait, Vince McMahon has big arms too? Oh, but, <laughs> too. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he does nope. steroids. He's like one of those guys that's just... Vince McMahon is, yeah. I mean, right now I think he's pushing 80 and he's still just jacked. He looks like one of those ESPN2 strongest man competition guys um but you know I, it just depends on what era and what exact time we we uh see Dwayne's wrestling career start to take shape yeah. and then uh and then i'll pop can, can you can you just tell me i mean if it's okay a little bit about Vince mcmahon i remember he did snl one night and had quite a presence there and i was just wondering um tell me a little bit about him who was he well, Vince McMahon, uh, you know, was a uh, is a you know businessman through and through. He bought the uh, WWE from his dad, and uh, you know is responsible really for taking it to another level. And um, he might be, you know, like just one of the greatest promoters. Like I might one opinion. of the greatest promoters, and you know, started off as a commentator for wrestling, um, real low level, and then got into um, you know, WWE stuff and. Uh, has just always had a passion for it, but also just had a passion for entertainment. And which is why I think he wanted to turn wrestling into the juggernaut that it is. And, um, you know, even with like the XFL and, and, uh, you know, he's got, comes from a pretty big family and, um, you know, just a workhorse. Like I've heard, uh, quite a few stories from his, um, sister who now, um, is, uh, running a lot of his shit. And, and she's just like, even at close to 80, the guy does not take a break. And Dwayne has told me, uh, you know, quite a few tales from him and, and that, you know, work play, you know, uh, other stuff was all a part of the, uh, the mix of his, uh, his life. And, and I think, you know, still to this day, but, um, hopefully I get to chat with him at some point and really, you know, I don't know how you like to do that stuff, Daryl, especially for like impressions and whatnot. You probably have met quite a few of the people after you uh, got to portray them. But, right. you know, watching videos and all that and, and interviews is cool. But, man, I really pick up a lot always from, you know, being with somebody live in the room for even 10 minutes of just to pick up on and mannerisms and something. Couldn't agree with you more. It makes yeah. <clears throat> it makes it may, like I can't believe how much difference it makes just to be able to sit with that person and get a sense of who they are and, and see them when they're not being their, the, their public self, see them totally with their, with their kids running around, you know, see them, you know, having a sandwich or, or drinking a beer and talking to the wife or whatever. Yeah. Big, big difference. Yeah. Cause even the, the, you know, the off stage moments, you know, you're, you're probably what trying to truly portray who uh, their public version, right? Because that's what people are accustomed to seeing. That's but. that's 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 the problem. Yeah, you got to give them what they know. I mean, like when I first started playing Al Gore, people didn't know anything about that guy um, until you know he did something in the news. But he he was this guy that people thought was a nice guy, works hard. But Vince McMahon is pretty well known. It's just that if if you give them the if you give them, like if I had done Gore the way I'd seen Gore with his family, people wouldn't have responded to it. Oh, really? Yeah. The I had to, version? No, I, I, I had to give him the, that sort of overbearing school teacher thing that people were starting, that the, the starting to see in the debates, you know? Right. But boy, off camera, he's so charming and he's smart and funny. And I, 
I don't know. That's the way it went. But um, was that one of your, uh, to me, I just want to, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I know you've got a laundry list of uh, gangsters that you've uh, crushed over the years. But like that to me is one of the most, it probably gets its due cred, but your gore is so good. And also look, man, you go, how many other people have since done one or prior to that tried to do one? And he's still, he's a guy that never goes away and is still consistently relevant. And I have never seen anybody else, any other great impressionist or, or anyone try to attempt it. And do you chalk that up as being like, well, that means I just did the such a good one that people are like, you know what, let's not even touch that. I don't know. I was interviewed recently about playing that part. <clears throat> I had tried him on stage in the village a couple of hundred times and I, oh, cool. I had not, nothing, nothing until this genius writer, Jim Downey, came in with a script and started doing his impression of Al Gore from the, the first debate. And I was like, okay, 200 times I went to the plate and I struck out and you just walked in here with what I've been looking for. So in a few hours, I was mastering or trying to master what this great writer was showing, you know, the vision of the greater. I got a lot of help on that one, you know. Seeing him with his family, I got to see his hands. I I got to see his shoulders. I got to see the way he moved his head. And those are three things I put into, um, into the Downey version, you know. But, like, if you spend time with him, you're going to pick up some stuff that will give you, you know, a little, I hate to use the phrase, a dab and a flourish. But it will give you, you know, a little dab and a flourish. But um, What was his catchphrase or what was the thing that really, like, stuck out that he – Lockbox. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Adam, you do impressions as well, right? Like, what's your, what's your favorite impression to do? Uh, you know, I do a handful. I mean, I really, during the pandemic, went hard in the paint on Dr. Phil, and I was doing these Dr. Phil live shows uh, where I had, you know, Dana Carvey on and Joe McHale and Corolla, a few other guys where I would just, you know, and then, you know, pull the audience and do a lot of self-help stuff. But, you know, that's a guy always that I felt was just, you know, always wanting to help, but not above cutting to the core of what's going on with you. Because I feel like choices are about uh, what we want to do, but what we have to do, but what we can't help and control. Look, I've failed so many times. If I make my wife wear a face mask with my face on it for intercourse, that's my choice. But that's because I built this fucking house. We'll be right back. You know, so he's always just like tangent, tangent, like, you know, maybe a message and then cuts to commercial is always like what I found was his, uh, his true, uh, his forte, uh, Robert Downey Jr. I did ADR for Robert Downey Jr. for like four movies. So so that's also when they start doing just every now and then because it's like, look, the pandemic was obviously affecting all of us. And Daryl, like you know that you've you know been working in the business forever. I think I met you. I don't know if we were in the same cast, but I think I was there. I've seen your picture. So I feel like I'm there. Sometimes I just see a picture and I go, oh, I was there as well. Like Chris Millhouse, I saw your picture up in a McDonald's bathroom saying this guy was here. Don't let him in again. He's a Burger King guy, but I'm also a kids club guy. So is that Burger King McDonald's? Dairy Queen has a blizzard, but also... You know, Dairy Queen has burgers, and you forget that. You forget that Dairy Queen also does other stuff other than ice cream. I digress. YOLO, fuck it. Don't judge me. So this pandemic was great for all of us, but it was really great for Will Smith because he found Instagram. And then the first one, and Chris, you know this because you've seen my act a billion times. When I first started doing stand-up, it was a shitty Ray Romano, uh, a Kermit the Frog. Guess what, Daryl? Your Bill Clinton, which mm-hmm. everyone 
was do I mean the same way that everyone did Dana's Bush I think it was like your Clinton was you know you were my uh, you know everyone says right like high what you were uh, your high school with the cast and I mean you were just a gangster dude and you know that but mm. that Clinton was like mm. I mean next level it was the first time too killer, killer. That you made a guy that was already likable more likable which was crazy you know what I'm saying and and um and and I I truly believe that the way that you know you guys uh uh wrote him and that you parodied him definitely made like when i watched him after that i was like i liked him more because of your portrayal which is crazy to have thank that you impact. yeah thank man. you that's i'm just gonna accept the i'm not good at taking compliments but oh well <laughs> no, i'm gonna the, give it him so you better no, well that feels really good so i'm just gonna take it and sit with yeah, it man. And enjoy and enjoy it thank you yeah, but i would do that and uh meeting him too Oh yeah, those. I mean, yeah. Have you? I'm sure you've got. Just is he one of those guys? And stop me if you're rehashing it. But like, it, did he? Was he oh. all about it, or was it like he could probably take a little bit off? He could take it down a little bit. Like, was he all into it or what? <laughs> That's good. Dude. He, he's the most personable, charismatic, weirdly. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope you, you. We can do stand up together sometimes, so I can tell you some stories of what it was like okay, to be good. with him. Okay, good. I mean, it was just sort of uh, odd how much charisma the guy had, and yeah. you know, when he when he talked to you, you had the feeling you were one of the most important things that ever happened to him. The way he would look at you, it was he, he's unreal, unreal. I know that Republicans in town probably thought, you know, even they gave credit where credit was due. It's like just don't let this damn guy talk on camera. Don't. Oops. <laughs> We we just lost. <laughs> I mean, you think yeah. about it. You know, he's on trial. He's he's, he's being impeached, and he, he's, <clears throat> I guess, eight Ivy League legal scholars are trying to entrap him, and he gets out of it by debating the meaning of the word "is." I mean, that was the debate. Yeah, that made them look foolish, and people suddenly were like, "What the hell is going? Who are these people?" Yeah, I didn't even know what "is" means. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I could go on and on about him, yeah, but yeah, yeah. he's certainly fascinating. I love the Downey man. Wow, that's oh, thanks, nice. man. Yeah, so that was there was uh, that's the one I probably when I try to fuck around with uh, stuff, I, not really on stage. Tony Danza was the first one I did on stage uh, because I used to watch the Tony Danza show filmed in New York. I don't know if you ever went to a taping or on it, Daryl. I did. I was on it. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. I mean, people love Tony Danza so much that I think ABC was like, we love the idea of him hosting a talk show. Because, again, another universally liked fella. Uh, but I used to stay up and watch with my stoner roommates uh, in acting school. We'd watch an hour of Nick Arcade and uh, get the picture with Michael Malley on Nickelodeon. And then right after at 2 a.m. was the Tony Danza show in syndication and we would get stoned and watch Tony come out and go his monologue. There were no jokes. He would just bring up topics, kind of stutter around, realize there was no out and then just move on. So he'd be like, we got a great show for you. Today. This is going to be, this is one of these shows where you go, wow, I cannot believe that I get to host the show and talk to these people. So uh, Julia Roberts obviously had twins, uh, two babies that are going to look alike. That'll be tough to tell. What else is going on? You might have to write on one of their faces. What else? Oh, the Yankees didn't make the playoffs this year, which is a really big bummer because I love those uniforms. You know, they got the stripes and the black and white, right? Because I don't, you know, I don't see color. I just, you know, what else is going on? So, uh, oh, geez. So my wife, Tracy, she goes, Tony, go down to the store today. 
get some eggs, some butter, and some milk, right? The three main ingredients for a good time. And I go down there. I get the butter and the milk. I forget I I forget the bread. I get home. She goes, Tony, where's the bread? I go, oh, my God. Anyway, we got a great show. Kelsey Graham is here today. And you're just like, dude, what the fuck just (laughs) happened? I think think there was a joke in there somewhere. The writers might have sketched out some bullet points. But, again, I loved watching the dude. So I was like – and just fascinated by it. Yeah, I I really did too because, you know – sorry. You know, Lauren Michaels once pointed out to me that some people say funny things and some people say things in a funny way. Yes. And this guy had this like charm. The audience is chuckling and clapping and laughing. He said things in a funny way that on a yes. piece of paper, a piece of paper wouldn't look like, like a joke at all. Yeah. You know, and Sinbad was another guy. Yeah. Who? Sinbad was a comic oh, named yeah. Sinbad. Oh yeah. He was that way too. And, uh, I was never great at writing jokes, but I've tried to be funny, man. That's for goddamn sure. But really, any, and just saying, that's a wonderful uh, version you're putting out there. Really enjoyable. Thanks, oh, thanks, man. You're welcome. You guys been uh, doing this pod for how long now? I'm really digging it, by the way. Your guests from Linda Cohn to O'Terry. I mean, you guys, like, really are getting some heavy hitters. It's pretty cool. We got, some bad, we got some badass mofos coming up, but I don't think Chris is going to let us plug. <laughs> <laughs> we can't. Uh, next week, we have Jake Tapper on our uh, podcast. Whoa. Pretty fucking cool, man. I mean, uh, I'm excited, excited to talk to that guy. I, mean, I like that guy, man. He is a, um, you know, anytime those guys can go on, I think I saw him on Seth Meyers, and I go, you know, that's, there's shows, certain shows where you can truly get a sense of, I think more so going on like a Seth Meyers than an Ellen, where you can get a sense of who somebody is. And Tapper just seemed like he was, uh, down for the cause, DFW, the type of guy that if you were like, dude, I need 50 bucks, he's like, how about 100? And then if you're like, hey, man, yeah. like I lost my Uno deck. I'm trying to go to a birthday party. He's like, I actually have two extra sets in my fanny pack. You're like, I don't know you were wearing a fanny pack. He's like, I wear it around my cock. You're like, dude, this guy. Really? Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. We'll be sure to he's, ask him about that when he's on. <laughs> yeah. Just play back this clip for him. Yeah. And hey, he'll dude, be so like, we hear like, who's that? Back around your cock and you'll be like, Uno card sets. He'll be like, who's that Where grown man come? with the Ninja Turtles poster behind him? And you go, hey, man, this guy <laughs> is allowed he's to go to the Cheesecake Factories. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just saying he was on Morning Joe this morning talking about his book. Yeah. And uh, I ordered the book and I'm reading it and it's pretty goddamn good. I got to tell you, it's about the early it. 60s in L.A. and Sinatra and every gangster you can think of. It's pretty darn oh. good. Yeah. Wait, no, what, was he uh, not to interview Jake Tapper without Jake Tapper being here, but was he around that time or how how does he have so much? I mean, he would have been around four years old, but. Well, that's why I'm asking the question. (laughs) Was he, was he, was he in the green room at four? I think, I don't know. I think one of the points he makes and what Joe Scarborough was saying was that, you know, every 20 or 30 years, a new generation of people hears about Sinatra and, and the mafia and Bugsy Siegel and Mickey Cohen and uh, Ava Gardner and Marilyn Monroe and the Kennedys and all those stories, they're still great. And uh, people can't seem to get enough of the Rat Pack and that, and that whole era. Oh, yeah. I, loved, that, I, I mean, my, my grandparents kind of installed that into me when I was growing up about, you know, big bands and Rat Pack and things like that. And, uh, man, when we had Brad Garrett on as a guest, he talked about opening up for, uh, you know, 
Um, we, we lost Daryl for a second, but <laughs> well, that's all right. You know, this conversation needed uh, a, this. This was a two way street. This pretty yeah, pretty much just you and me, buddy. But yeah, yeah. he he talked about uh, opening up for uh, Frank Sinatra for a long time. I don't know if you if you're familiar with that that story that he no. told, but it's fucking brilliant. He talked on told on our Brad podcast. Garrett. Brad Garrett back in the day used to um, he used to to open up for. Um, uh, Julio Iglesias and for wow. uh, Liza Minnelli and for Frank Sinatra. And he said one time he opened up for Frank and he bombed his ass off, like bombed so bad that, uh, you know, he, he picked on some guy in the audience and, uh, and it turned out that was a guy from the, the, the mafia. Like it was like a, like a huge boss that like, wow. you know, and then um, at the end of his set, he bombed so bad. He said, Hey, well, why don't you stick around for Frank? Huh guys? And, uh, you know, leaves and they, the, all the mafia comes up. They're like, what do you mean stick around for Frank? What do you, what do you fucking mean stick around? What is that supposed to mean? And they like, they thought it was like some sort of insult that he was trying to throw to Frank. And he was like, no, I'm saying that I bought him so badly. Like, you know, Hey, you know, don't worry. Frank's coming on kind of thing. And it yeah. was, uh, and he ended up getting fired. The Frank Sinatra fired him after that. No Rehired shit. him later. But like, he's like, I think you need to do the road with Liza for a little while. <laughs> like, it's just. Here's what I want to ask. Have you, <laughs> Adam, have you ever been in a crowd where there was a gangster in the audience? Uh, kind of. I've been in, in a show where there was a, uh, ex criminal in the audience who saw me. This was at Flappers and he had gotten out of prison that day after nine years for joyriding. And I said, holy shit. And he was like, nine years for joyriding? Yep. There, I, <laughs> that's what I said. And then I go, Sounds like there might have been something else. He's like, hey, man, I'm just happy to be here. And I was like, there we go. And he goes, uh, I go, so what uh, What did you do when you got out? Because he was very complimentary about seeing comedy again and and uh, said he, you know, had, you know, actually dressed a guy up in prison to look like me to to, to have intercourse. Right. But so, so no, he was a fan. But so, so he goes, uh, I go, what did you do when you first got out before you came to the show tonight? And he goes, I went to Denny's and I jerked off. And I go... In that order? He's like, no, 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 no. I was like, okay. Because, I again, I don't know. I don't know if you're locked up for that long. Like, you're something about Denny's. You get there. Maybe you go there with that in mind. Do you sit down? Do the smells and the sights? Do Is it does is there that part of that dangerous side of you? Is it not completely gone? So you're like, Denny's is the place. No one would expect me to do this. Um, but no, he goes, no, I went. I picked out on Denny's, and then I went home, and I just went to town on myself. And I was like, it's so funny because that's probably – you know, you do want to go somewhere. You want all the food that you weren't having in jail, right? Which Denny's is, unless Denny's is somehow under the table supplying wounds over Miami to to some of these facilities, which I don't think they are. But no, there are no no true gangsters. I know criminals a little different, but um, you know, I definitely after seeing is it American Gangster with Russell Crowe and Denzel? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I love that movie because I those two guys are are brilliant, and I thought together they were just like an amazing one-two punch but yeah i would love to meet a true i think tom Driesen is my closest attachment to the gangster world (laughs) which which isn't bad but you know well daryl have you done that have you had somebody in your audience like that i I was doing i was doing grandpa's on staten island my my first show in new york i was emceeing oh wow it was the MC and uh you know how you are when you're an MC. and i had heard it was a, a mobbed up place you know and you're the MC, and you're like, you know, any birthdays? Hey, how are you doing tonight? Everything good? You know, I'm doing that. <clears throat> so I go to one guy in the front row. I go, so how are you doing tonight? Out on a date? And the guy puts his finger up, and he goes, 
no. Like, yeah, right on. You know, and I go, what does no mean? He, and he look, he leans into me and he goes, go to the next guy. I went, okay, done. Yeah, mm-hmm. moving right on. And I felt the cold chill in me. I was like, wow, I've never met an audience member quite like that one before. Yeah, to kind of throw you off course and truly dictate the next moment. Where, where yeah, and, and he says everything by not saying anything. Yeah, and I'm not going to, so I'm like, well, I'm not going to do my John Gotti trial bit. That's for God then, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, where I was that? At, a, at Grandpa's had Comedy Club? It was a place called Grandpa's uh, on Staten Island. Yeah. That's awesome. One of my first jobs. Closest thing I ever came to was uh, Adam. I don't know if you remember this building mm-hmm. that Jade Catapretta used to live in, but uh, it was like years ago. I, I moved into her building. And she got me this apartment that like uh, uh, in the building or whatever. And she goes, just a heads up, like it's, you know, it's kind of mobbed up. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't know. It's like Russian mafia or something. She like left it like super vague. And I was like, all right. So I go and uh, I go to, to sign the lease and the, 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 the Russian woman was like, listen, uh, it's okay if you pay late, but don't bounce check. You bounce check, we come for you. Oh, no. What? You come for me? Yes, I don't repeat. We come for you. That's it. And I was like, okay. And she just was like, that's it. Sign right here. That's it. We know where you are now. And I said, all right. And like, it just was such an odd building, dude. Like, living there and seeing some weird shit. Like, you know, there was all sorts of wild shit. Like Jade one day can tell you more about this building, but there was like some crazy ass shit that went on that building. Oh dude, I had a Polish landlord as well named Roxana and she would, we had a, a nice pool in the middle of the complex. It was kind of set up Melrose place style. Remember Melrose place, that hot, hot, steamy sex filled oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. show from the nineties. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, you had a lot of people coming in and out, probably a lot of illegal Airbnbs going on, you know, uh, you know, strange 90-year-old men just swimming laps at 5 a.m. Never really got to know too many people in the building, but I had buddies come down from Seattle to stay, and I was going to treat them to a full L.A. weekend, right? Go to a couple of TV tapings, stand-up shows, get to meet some of their uh, favorite people from the tube, and uh, we lay out in the pool, and they're both dads, and we lay out in the pool. I bought some pool chairs and toys from Target, and I'm like, Man, this is great. They, it's also, you know, cold in Seattle, so they're down living up the L.A. sunshine. We we kick back, relax, crack open a beer. Roxana comes out like a hawk, just head pops out, comes down. Boys, boys, you cannot, Adam, I'm so sorry, you cannot be laying in pool with drink, with alcoholic drink and the pool chairs. You cannot have pool. I'm, I'm sorry. She's like, you can't have pool chairs, okay? You can't have toys. You can't even have your naked Jewish arms. And she's like, you can't be out there laying there. Uh, with the pool chairs because it's a safety hazard. And I'm like, Roxana, mm-hmm. I am a grown adult man. If I drown on a target pool chair, this is how I was supposed to go, baby. And she's like, no, you need to take inside, please. Puts up a fight. Is so adamant. I take them. I put them up on the little shit balcony we have. I get a, a text, not even 45 minutes later. Adam, please. Uh, owner of building was by says, why does he have pool chairs on balcony? If he can't even have in pool, please remove them from balcony. I'm like, I can't even have him chilling on the balcony. This should have been a red flag to move out. But, uh, <laughs> long story short is we're having a baby in uh, June and, um, she's no, she, it was, uh, the one downside of living in that apartment, but I feel like no one in LA, Daryl, did you live in LA for a little bit? Did you have a, any sort of landlord situation? Somebody, you know, with an accent. He's there right now. He's living there right now. 
But I'm saying, like, have, you know, back in the day at some point, not when you're, you know, Hollywood Hill living. I'm trying to think of an accent to do for you, but I can't remember anybody <laughs> that, that had. Um, I there was one guy of an indeterminate accent that um, I had a quarrel with, and he's. I was living in Washington Heights, and um, I guess he wanted me to. He wanted to evict me or something. And I just remember him saying, don't come back to this place. Don't come back to this place. I'm like, yeah, is that eviction? All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's when I was back when I was really at the height of the drinking and the drugging. And the... Wow. So, and yeah, I so guess I don't have... know if that's what he said. He might have been like, dude, come in, sit down. Let's play some he might not have even. He might that? not have even. He might not have even had an accent. Yeah, <laughs> it was it a four-year-old Jake Tapper trying to ask you what, for directions. It might have been Roxanne herself. I don't know. <laughs> Life being what it is. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever been. I mean, no, I'm sure Daryl's gone in other countries to do stand-up or whatever. But have you done stand-up in other countries, Adam? Yeah, yeah. So we filmed Young Rock in Australia. Um, oh, right, so right, Quarantine right. for two weeks and then pop off into real life, maskless. And I met some young comics there. Ronnie Chang is also in the show, and he uh, lives down there, I think, currently. And he got me into some spots. And then I just, once I got out, you know, again, with only two episodes in the first season, I shot maybe three days. So I had a lot of downtime. I went to rugby games. I went, uh, again, three to four shows a night. And uh, Australia is a good place for American comedy. There's not too much that, that is over their head, you know, not only reference-wise, but just comedy-wise. They just, yeah. just, they just get it. And, uh, and then uh, I did some shows uh, in, uh, on a Japan troops tour with Adam Devine about two years ago. And, right. um, and then when I was studying abroad in college in London, uh, I did a few bars and lied, I actually lied my way into one comedy club because I felt like I had heard, you know, when you hear when you're just getting going, you hear these stories of, even if they're not real stories, like, you know, Terry Crews went into an audition for Law and Order and, like, you know, did a couple pec flexes. And that's, you know, he stepped outside the box. And that's how he, you know, like, just people that do a little something extra or that, I don't know, lying to get into Like, so I, I go to this comedy club called The Monkey Bone in London. And it's downstairs. It's got a very uh, comedy seller vibe. And, and it's packed. And I just... Tell, go up to the guy and I was like, yeah, I'm in from LA. I'm just uh, passing through. If it's cool if I can do time, you know, I, by the way, I've done stand up maybe four times at this point. It's junior college, 2004. Oh, and he's like, he's like, all right, what's Ooh. your name? And I'm like, uh, Adam, Adam, you just call him Adam, Adam Ray, if you want, you know, whatever. See, I, I'm just, again, man, I'm just passing through. If you got time, he's like, no, no, we'll put you up for five after the host. And he's like, yeah, that's right. It's his, you know, I'm like, all right, cool. He forgets my name, gives me the worst intro ever. Where he's like, this next bloke, you know, he begged me to go on stage. He's in the back. I, I'm not even sure he's funny. If he's not funny, you know, it's not, you know, that's not on me. He begged me. This guy fucking, you know, what's your name again? And I was like, Adam, you know, at that point, I'm just like, I don't even want to go up. Like, this is fuck. He's not setting me up to win. And he butchers my name. I get up there. I make some joke about him looking like Phil Collins is, you know, awkward stepbrother with Asperger. I, something that was not favorable and <laughs> did not get a laugh. I proceed to do four minutes of just, you know, no thanks material. And I close on Michael Jackson had just come out. This is the only joke I remember because it's the only laugh I got. Michael Jackson had just come out with his uh, CD of number one hits called One. I go, and of course, you know, it's got all the hits that we remember, right? It's got, uh, you know, Thriller, uh, Beat It, and of course, 
you know, all right, I did it. I put my finger in that kid's tush. I go, and that's, that's probably the one that's making the biggest splash in Germany. And that got a couple chuckles and I go, Ooh. I'm going to get out on that. I go, <laughs> I'm quitting comedy. And they that got a closer. real big laugh. And uh, I remember calling my mom on a payphone and telling her that I'm never doing stand-up again because it was the most humiliating experience of my life. And the fact that I even like had the, the gusto to like finagle my way in there felt also felt awful. It was like, if I had crushed, you know, that's a, that's a story that you can hang your hat on, but man, to do that and then do that, just a, a, a one, two punch of no thanks, but yeah, I mean, I went uh, I went over to England and Ireland uh, right before the pandemic hit. Uh, they also love American comedy over there. Yeah, October uh, 2019. I you know I don't, I don't know if you about you, but like when you're in Australia, maybe like I, it's hard to not embrace those accents sometimes. So you know, like I I love the Irish Ooh. accent. I'm Irish. My family is from Ireland. Still have cousins and uncles and aunts uh, that oh, live nice. there. And. Uh, and I just kept on trying to tell myself, like, don't, don't try, keep, do, don't do the accent, like, don't do it, you know, like, don't do it because I'm, they're just gonna look at you like you're a fucking hack, you asshole, yeah, and, you know. And I, I stayed away from it for the most part, but uh, yeah, they're, I, I love the crowds. I did the top secret comedy club out in um, London, <clears throat> a fucking awesome, <clears throat> but uh, that club is a club that the people just get fucking shit faced. Yeah, like wasted, wasted, and they're like, because they have, they're like, I found out later they have really cheap prices on like most of their alcohol. So like, comparative to any of the places around, people just spend so much money they're getting wasted. And uh, it's funny, like they put me up to close a couple of shows, which was great, and I felt honored. But um, all they did was just yell at me like Trump, just talk about Trump, and you're like, oh Jesus Christ! Like it was a very surreal experience and I, I talked about it a little bit but it was I, you know i got out on i hit one trump joke hit it hard and i just and they were like i was like that's it like i, I know i have two more minutes but i'm good that's all they wanted huh <laughs> that's all they were this was like you know 2019 right before you yeah. know the, the biden election and um so like they just i think they were just sick of seeing it they were sick of like a lot of the shit going on and uh like most, most people in this country but um yeah it was it was definitely an experience, man. I'm excited to go back now that uh, let's, let's see if, if they yell Biden at me this time. But I don't know, Daryl. Have you ever had any sort of like experiences overseas with doing? Uh, no, I haven't gone overseas, but I have had experiences where I got off early and was grateful that nobody um, got upset with me. <clears throat> there was a time where I, and you're going to have to edit this out, Chris, but um, okay. I, I was, I don't know, there was about 14 people in the crowd and um, I was getting heckled by some women there about how, I don't know, maybe that I wasn't very attractive or something. And they were talking about, they were dating each other. They were married, these women. So I said, uh, rather stupidly, I said, I mean, I don't understand lesbians. What are you in the womb at birth going, hey, I got to get back here more often. And I'm, <laughs> and I remember saying, I remember following that with, and I got to get back here more often. Thanks, y'all. Thank you very much, everyone. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah, I, I mean, I was just dead in the water. That's a good and line. I, I like that line. I that's like a funny it. line. I laughed. Yeah. I'm not editing that out, Daryl. I'm leaving that in. You are? All right, shit. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But you know, I mean, I've, I mean, tank, I've tanked a lot, man. You know, in the very beginning, you know, I, I tanked. Oh yeah. Let me ask you oh, this, yeah. Daryl. What is just going off the idea of of 
you know, tanking and not doing as well as you want. What is the difference between the feeling of a live stand-up tank and live sketch SNL where whether you've done it in rehearsal and it crushed and it was a different uh, vibe for for the tape or or just something in general that you felt strong about, which I'm sure – and then I want to know also a two-part question. At what point in your run did you kind of settle in and go – you know, you, you just trust yourself no matter what to make it funny and there's no uh, uncertainty surrounding you. I mean, I'm going to say 50% of the time I, I would leave SNL thinking I disgraced myself because wow. I hadn't done it as well as I wanted to. I mean, I'd run out of time learning the character because I had done it better in dress rehearsal. And <clears throat> it wasn't until Dana Carvey hosted that uh, he taught me how to play play SNL. Not like any other audience. It doesn't hurt more. A lot more. Oh, yeah. Because it's going to be all over the paper and all your friends are going to text. What the fuck was that all about? You do a crappy Bobby Knight impression. I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, God, I, I got it on Friday night and I didn't get it. I mean, I was already doing Geraldo and Cheney. I ran out of time. But no, to answer your question, it sucks to tank on SNL. It really sucks. And I've done it. You know, in front of live audiences, you know, it sucks too, but yeah. not like, not like sucking at, at, at Yankee stadium. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you love the Mariners too, I assume. I mean, it's yeah. not like sucking, sucking there. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But here's, here's my, my thing is, uh, you know, if you, let's say you feel like you've had a subpar performance on SNL. You also have like a killer cast around you that can help pick you back up. They could help right. carry the sketch, so you know it maybe does better than what well, you thought. Well, so there's, well, that it, there's less damage than you think. There's not a when you realize that you're you're backed up by Emmy Award winning hair, makeup, wardrobe, and performers and writers. You know, it's, there's nothing for the minus column and nothing for the plus column. You were there. You didn't hurt yourself, um, except in the eyes of these producers who or the investors are walking in going what's the guy that funny the guy's not funny oh i I mean people are always watching and it always matters i guess and also i mean you weren't um truly at the mercy of the social media warfare that there is now right like so maybe it's true you're your own worst critic at that point yeah yeah, and also, I mean, like, you know, now, if I do a set out here, people are, put, are going online before I'm off stage. So you don't really want to try stuff out. Yeah. You know, all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm being filmed, people are texting, people are going online. Maybe I should uh, switch to my um, my familiar stuff, you know, instead of working on this new piece. But uh, I didn't do that the other night, and I got away with it. <clears throat> Good. Um, but um, I know you think about that too. A thousand percent. Well, Adam, Dude. like, I mean, you talked about with Daryl, like with SNL, like have you ever had any type of those moments? You've worked with some really big actors on some of these movies and some of these shows you've done. Like, have you ever had any type of moment? I mean, you did Mad TV and granted it wasn't live like SNL, but, um, you know, maybe, or even one of the movies you've done with Sandra Bullock or, or, or Melissa McCarthy, like, do you ever like fall flat and you're like, fuck, like, uh, did it feel like gut wrenching and then you try it again or, you know, how did you feel like when doing all those? Oh yeah. Um, I remember on 
the heat, which was my first, like, you know, unless you count a guest star on according to Jim with Jim Belushi and Gordon Cohen Smith, which I, which hey, I remember going up to whoever was hosting at the Improv that night because I found out my episode was going to be the season premiere, and I was just like, here we go, and I remember <laughs> telling it might have been you, Chris. Uh, at one of your hot comedy shows when we yeah. first were getting going. And I was like, bring me up. I was like, you know, say it's the season premiere. Really get excited about it. You know, it's this, it shows the eighth season. It'll already get the applause that it's going to get. So just kind of ride that high into – anyway, so I'm there. First scene is pointing guns at Melissa and Sandra. I'd met them just both briefly. And, yeah, man, Paul Figu, you know, just gets it as well, was like, Hey man, I didn't hire you just to say things. So or just to say the lines. He's like, you think of something funny, you know, add it, which is awesome. But also now I'm just overthinking, trying, trying to just sit back in the pocket and go, everything you've done got you to this point, which is easier said than done when you're like, man, if I, one wrong improv could just be the end of any, and this is the day one and I'm there for maybe a month and have like, you know, two more decent sized scenes where improv yeah, hopefully big, will be. That was a big role for you, by the way, man. The, that was, yeah, that was yeah. Cute. I mean, I the, my mom, you know, the Temple Bethon Bulletin in, in North Seattle was just, I think I had a front and a back page. So that's how big <laughs> you know it was. But uh, two, two pictures. They had pushed the rabbis like, you know, I think like, is you know, we had a new rabbi at the time. So it was like, instead of like, you know, he did his 10th bris. It was like, you know, local homeboy, Adam Ray, you know. And so, uh, so I remember I improvised something and in my head, I was like, you fucking idiot. That, what did you, why? And they both came back. And I remember Melissa specifically was like, that was funny. And Shannon was like, yep, you got it. All right, let's do it. You know, whatever. And they just kind of gave a quick, like, cool this like this was not a mistake and uh and it's just almost like i guess i could um attribute it to uh when we're on stage you do a new venue maybe right that's maybe feels even a little intimidating whether it's the crowd or the size or, or you know whatever you've created in your head that the venue is uh you know a, a big deal and you get a couple laughs and then you know you settle in so that's kind of how it was but mm. but i've definitely had I mean, for sure. Well, real quick, then just to piggyback to, according to Jim, Henry Winkler, whose son was in my fraternity at college, I met and, you know, nicest guy ever. And he gave me his number and let me hit him up for advice as I was getting going because I was the only actor in the house and he was, you know, real sweet. And so I remember uh, he left me a voicemail when I was pulling into the lot and he was like, Adam Ray, Henry Winkler, treat Mr. Belushi like an emperor. Okay. You're, you're not there to fill space. They hired Adam Ray for a reason because they want Adam Ray. They need Adam Ray. They feel Adam Ray. Bring them Adam Ray in all that there is. If you think of something funny, say it. If you don't, don't. All the best. Wish I still had the voicemail. So cut to me. Yeah. They're rewriting a joke for the final scene. And I hear Henry in my head going, if you think of something funny, say it. So as all the writers and EPs and Belushi are huddled around, I poke my dumb fucking face in and go, what about this? And they all turn to me like, I had just gotten there. I was in two scenes prior to this scene, but they all looked at me like, you're not supposed to be here. And I literally hear Henry in my head go, swing and a miss. And then I call him the next day and I go, he goes, how did it go? And I go, well, I, I pitched a joke at the end. And I think the last thing they were going to remember about me is my shitty improv. And he goes, I, I go, he goes, well, why'd you do that? I go, you told me if I think of something funny, say it. He goes, well, it has to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but that's tough. That is tough. But you know, you gotta you gotta throw those darts, right, Daryl? I mean, like you know, and Chris too, man. I mean, when we're doing new bits, like that's one thing I have always uh, dug about watching you, Chris, is like. You know, every, we we would do shows sometimes three, four times in a week, and I'm like, always bringing something new to the table, which which is like, you can tell with that and the the commitment to just the longevity of like the stand up journey. You go, you're gonna always be fine if your your head's always in. You know, you get conditioned to to uh, after a while to be thinking of bits, to be writing new stuff, and to be trying it. You know, even if it if it doesn't go well, it's like just the attempt yeah, after yeah. battle. I think GI Joe yeah. said that. <laughs> It was G.I. Joe or Little Joe Cartwright. Um, <laughs> so, um, but, <laughs> so listen, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I discovered like be audacious, swing for the fences and fuck it. You know what? Uh, I didn't get here by accident. Let me take a swing at the ball and then it doesn't work out every time. That's for goddamn sure. Yeah. That's for goddamn sure. But well, the good thing about us being stand-ups is we've kind of also had that background before we got into anything else we're doing, especially with you two guys who do a lot of acting and stuff. And, uh, you know, you've kind of prepared yourself, you know, with doing stand-up. It's, you know, you know what it's like to bomb and you know what it's like to crush. So you've got that. You, you can feel when you're doing something right and when maybe you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have taken that risk, whatever. But, right. um, you know, there's always, you know, you're always going to have to take those swings and, um, I feel like, you know, doing stand up for, I mean, how long have you been doing it, Adam? Like 15? Coming years? up on 15, yeah. Okay, 20, yeah. So, 22 will be 15, yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, well, I've, I mean <clears throat> I've seen you do tons of new stuff uh, over the years, obviously, every time we do shows together. So it's always like, you know, it's good to see that we're always, we've got this background and we're always, you know, giving it a shot and putting ourselves up. I, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about this, Adam and Chris. I, to be you just, for, tepid, you just forget your co-host name. That was amazing. <laughs> no, I was I was trying to remember what I wanted to say because yeah, 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 I, I just know. I kind of forgot it. Yeah. <laughs> to be I don't I want to say this and it doesn't sound too dopey. To be lukewarm or vague or timid on stage for me is certain death. So I know that. So why not swing for the wall? You know, totally. totally. That's, because other, otherwise, man, I'll, I'll, you know, when you go out on stage and you're not, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're not quite committed to the material, you're not, and you're just oh, yeah. sort of going through the motions. I mean, you're going to die a, a, a painful death. Um, yeah, they so. can tell. You can fake it. You can get good at, at going through the motions. But, man, like, oh, audiences man. are smarter than uh, I think we give them credit for. And, and like, you know, they... And you can just feel it in yourself. And once you feel it in, in what you're doing up there, it's like it's pretty obvious. And then and then there's a, an energy shift for sure. Yeah. And once they know that you don't want to be there, oh. that's, the, that's the end of the show. Of you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. They can feel that on you big time. They can see it, right? I mean, you're, you're so transparent on that stage. If you're walking through jokes or if you just don't want to fucking be there, they can tell. They can read it right away. Yep. It's um. Almost like playing middle line or, or fighting. Oh boy, he just gave yeah, us right. the secret to comedy. Yeah, he just we, we lost <laughs> Daryl there. He froze up there. For I think that was going to be an amazing metaphor, Daryl. Just not feeling it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll piece that together. <laughs> we'll piece technical. that together and put that on put that on Facebook. Yeah. Sorry, Daryl, we lost you there for a second. But uh, Adam, uh, before we wrap up, uh, yeah. I wanted to ask you: Do you have any like good stories from like behind the scenes of like Mad TV or any of the movies, TV shows you've done? Um, 
Well, you know, some some good CW Mad TV stories yeah. always really you, boost the ratings. Maybe buddy Amir. <laughs> I mean, look, that experience because SNL was the dream for me, and uh, and still and still is. Uh, I'll be honest, you know, but but Mad TV was who took me, and it was an unbelievable experience because sketch is what I've always wanted to do. And so dude, you've done uh, so many sketches on your own. I remember when we first started doing shows together, you had Adam Ray TV. Where you yeah, just it was just, I was, I think I was one of the early comics that, you, you know, not to do videos, but that found a couple, it was the quality, you know what I'm saying? It was like, I was going to figure it out. Uh, uh, you know, my buddies Beck and Kyle Mooney, uh, where I went to college with and they, uh, had good neighbor. And I was like, I need a group to be doing what they're doing consistently putting videos out. And I couldn't find it. So I couldn't find guys that wanted to commit. So I was like, you know what, I'll write and produce these and, and then pull in all my buddies and Beck ended up doing a couple for me that are really funny. And, and, um, and it was just, that was the way to kind of get it going. And, and then I met these two kids that were in film school that were like, we want to make funny videos on the side. So pay us in dinners and coffees and they would shoot, we would shoot, you know, write it oh, the week. We'd shoot on the weekend, shoot from like nine to four, go to dinner and then edit from like six until two, three in the morning, put it out the next morning. And the, you know, they were, the sound was good. It looked good. It looked, they had, you know, coverage. It was just like these guys treated these sketches like, uh, like a legit little short film. So that I think got me a little bit of exposure as far as like, you know, cause then I would get up by a lot of comedians, guys I even looked up to that were like, let's do a video together. Cause they just didn't have the wherewithal to go. How the fuck did you make that? And I'm like, I didn't, I, these guys did it with me. And I'm like, there's, you know, there's more people out there like that than you think probably young film students that want to, you know, get their comedy on. And anyway, so that, that was always fun, but the mad TV thing was, was great as much uh as it could be but you know the arms and legs got cut off the writing pretty early on because of uh, standards and practices and cw just going back on what they said they wanted the show to be which was you know mad tv of old and pushing the envelope and there was such a great opportunity comedically to take a a, a hard approach to what was happening and in, in, in a time when you need it and they just just you know just their balls shriveled up and that was that. And then it was, and when the writers don't feel like they can really do what they want to do, then, then that's jeopardizing the comedy. Cause then they're like, what am I going to do? It's not going to make it anyway. So then you're like, wow, you're not even to go back to what you said, Daryl, being able to be yourself on stage. Like if you can't even do what you're, what you know to do, what do you, you know, it's uh, not the recipe for, for success. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's Anthony Robbins, the motivational speaker once had this great phrase where he talked about being, utterly yourself on stage and how people just can't can't turn away from an authentic human experience they have yeah. to watch it and i think the phrase used was what's most personal is most general mm-hmm. so what you're really feeling up there people will respond to but when i get up there and i'm tired you know and i fucking it took like too long to get here and there was a traffic jam and i and i'm in a bad mood and you know girlfriend broke up with me something and I get up on stage and I don't, I don't look, what is it? Uda Hogg and the acting teacher says, load your gun for bear. I get killed. So tough, tough racket. Yeah. Tough racket. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. I mean, again, just a, a, a blessing and a curse to, to go through that because it was like such a, a dick tease. But um, I don't know. Let me think of a good, 
I could give you some amazing Universal Studios uh, stories from from playing Wolverine and doing the the, the backlot tour tram ride when I was in college. Um, yeah, I used to work at the Universal Studios and used to dress up as as Wolverine and other characters, right? I did as well as other characters. Wolverine, and then I was a fake New York cop, which was cool yeah. because he wasn't from anything. So I used to do a bit on stage. I'd be like. Kids would ask me, what are you from? And I was like, oh, this, I was from a film called I Got a Theater Degree, and this is where it fucking got me. Um, <laughs> but uh, but what was what was uh, cool about that job was the amount of celebrities that would come through. Michael Jackson, Dave Matthews, Greg Maddox. I mean, and I would always break character to chum it up with all of them, except for Michael Jackson. He was covered in a sheet and getting, you know, escorted um, to a ride, I think. And... Um, John Stamos, though, walked by one time, and I would do this bit with old ladies where I would blow the whistle, my cop whistle, and a big Orville Redenbacher mustache, and I'd go, blow the whistle and go, hey, hey, yes, ladies, slow down, you're going too fast. Okay, it's not a race. What are you trying to get to? Slow down, slow down. And these ladies are moving like a mile an hour, so they're just like, I'm already going slow. That's funny. That's why that's, that's comedy, right? That's theme park comedy. So Stamos is walking through with his uh, nephew, I believe, and I started just busting his balls about his hair and how hot he is. And, and I'm, you know, I would always push, I could, it was a, it was a fun job because like certain people you could push the envelope with like Stamos. I definitely made jokes about how I, like I had him as my desktop screensaver. I was like, I'm definitely going to like, you know, I'm definitely going to think about you later when I have my me time, like things like that to him as much as I could in front of the kid, you know, until I get fired. And he was like laughing. And, uh, and then uh, he turned away to start walking and I did the whistle, like, uh, you know, blow, blew the whistle and was like, hey, slow down, buddy. It's, you're, yeah, what are, what are you going to – you worried Vidal Sassoon's going to run out with uh, hand moose? You know, you got enough moose. And he just turns around and looks at me and goes, nice. Like, basically like, hey, oh. actor kid, I fucking get it. We did the bit. Oh, yeah. Leave me on my day. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that job was a means to an end. There was a time, though, when I thought I was going to – you know, be there forever until, you know, sweet, sweet Bobby Lee took me on the road and I was able to call in sick and get fired, which when you get fired, when they ask you to turn in your claws and your fake sideburns, nothing makes you feel more like a bag of dog shit. You're like, no, no, I was going to leave anyway. Like turn, turn them over. And my boss, I remember being like, it's just like you keep calling in sick to do these road gigs. It's like, you don't want to be here. I go, no, I don't want to be here. You're right. (laughs) I was like, she's like, look at Shay, one of the Captain Americas. She's like, look at Shay. He's here every day i go i know and he's and that's fine that's his journey but like i'm trying to i'm trying to get outside the uh you know the the fake fangs and she's like i'm like chase you know god bless him but like this is his uh his world he's not working much outside of this and i want to take a stab at that she's like shay i will have you know is in the toluca lake production of the gingerbread man at the falcon theater and i was like (laughs) I stand corrected. <laughs> sounds like wow, a great big, show. I didn't know Shay was such a big time person. I'm sorry. I think, Daryl, I think you and I both read for that, didn't, didn't we? The gingerbread man. I want to know if you read for the TG Lee cow that I dressed up as when I was first starting out in Orlando. <clears throat> I auditioned for the voice of a, a, a local milk company, a regional milk company called TG Lee, and they wanted a cow, so I had to wear a cow uniform, a suit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and walk around like in, in in Orlando in the plaza, you know, and, oh, and yeah. talk to people. And uh, and I got relieved of my duties there. And I thought, I, you know, I mean, if there's ever a time in your life when you're sure you're not going to make it, <laughs> it's when you're like, turn in your turn in your cow suit, dude. Turn in the hooves, the horns. 
You're like, can you I know? keep the others? We're going to need both of them, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would walk around. I would walk around talking like, it got to the point where I just abandoned the character and I started talking like, you know, like Foghorn Leghorn and saying oh, weird amazing. shit. <laughs> well, I got fired for it, but of I mean, course. I, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I remember saying to this old woman one time, I was like, coldest, I say coldest winter on way here. It feels like it's already here. If I have to spend another winter in this air-conditioned deep freeze, I'll freeze my tail. I say, I'll freeze my tail, feathers off. <laughs> and they're like, get oh. him out. Get him out. He <laughs> get him out. Be, he can't be here. Oh, <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. Fire. Wait, now, did you at least get like a, a T.G. Lee milk hookup for a, a short period of time? No, I, I, I was I was shown, me and my cow suit were shown the door, and I thought, very unceremonious fashion. It was almost as if they didn't want to talk to me again. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. I mean, I, Adam, I hope, you, uh, I hope you get to have John Stamos on your podcast at some point where you can tell him that story. Let me tell you, bro, I have tried. Uh, it's gotten to the point of just it's aggressively humiliating now. Like yeah. Stamos, when I was doing the podcast with Brad um, Williams, he, uh, he met Stamos a handful of times at Saget's charity dinner. And then he met him at a Kevin and Bean show. And Stamos has a fear of little of little people. So Brad came out and like dry humped his leg. And I think that's what got him <laughs> over the fear or at least got him off. And so Brad, uh, Brad did that. And then they communicated through Twitter and he said, he'd do the podcast, gave him his number and then he's like, go through my publicist. So I start hitting up the publicist. By the way, I was already hitting up the publicist a couple of years prior. And he just was giving me the runaround. Those things where you get, he's like, he's busy right now. No projects to uh, promote. Stay, check back in September. And we're talking <clears throat> February. So I'm like, we get, right. that. We get that sometimes. <laughs> so I stay, yeah, of course. So I stay, it's on you to be assertive and, and active and find that balance between being, you know, uh, just again, uh, aggress, uh, you know, aggressive, you know, without not being, point, yeah. Yeah, yeah, without being annoying. So then he uh, emails back, uh, and he's got these projects coming out. I'm like, well, he's got Fuller House. There's what a better time. It's just not going to work. Cool. check. I mean, I've checked in so many times. And then he actually – I sent him a screenshot of his text to Brad saying, you know, I'd love to do it. Just let me know. And even that, he was just like, it's too busy, man. And I was like, oh. And then I went – and then somebody gave me another email – a buddy of mine was like, oh, I actually know this person that he works with. <laughs> and I hit up that guy and the guy who I was emailing intercepted it and emailed me being like, I'm trying to go around my back to get to Stamos. I'm like, no, dude, it just seems like it's not happening through you. And, you know, John is down to do it. And you're cock blocking my 12 uh, year old uh, fantasy, you know, so, anyway. Well, anyway, we um, we should plug your podcast since we just talked about it. It's called sure. about last night, right? About last night. Yeah. Fantastic um, podcast! You've had some really huge guests, man. I mean, you've you've had the sports stars and actors, and I mean, all, everyone, man. And it's a it's a really good listen. I love listening to it. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, we've had Dana Carvey, Melissa McCarthy, Sandra Bullock, Jason Derulo, uh, Sue Bird, Sean Kemp. Uh, yeah, fucking Sean Bert, Kemp Bill Bird just eh? did it. Um, Bird, yeah. And uh, and yeah, it's a, it's a good time, man. Yeah, well, if anybody's listening and you haven't heard uh, Adam's podcast, please subscribe to that. That's uh, on anywhere you get podcasts. I'm assuming Spotify, iTunes. Oh, yeah, all the goodies, uh, all, all the places. Uh, and tour dates at AdamRayComedy.com uh, and then uh, Instagram, AdamRayComedy. And um, 
I think that's it. I got albums out, read the room and I'll take it from here as an all crowd work album from Vegas. And, uh, and yeah. you know, hopefully I'll be the new voice of TG milk. Uh, I'm still waiting. TG Lee, TG Lee, TG Lee. Wait, <laughs> now is TG Lee the guy, is that whose milk it is? Or is that just the, the company? That's the name of the company. <clears throat> yeah. They got a cow job. So I'm sure that they're going to have a job for cows, but you're too damn talented, bro. I mean, <laughs> I, I, uh, I never, you know, want to tell you, love your stuff and appreciate your spending your energy with us. Man, likewise, dude. <clears throat> you know, I'm a fan of, of Millhouse since the get-go, but, dude, you've been a, um, you know, a straight-up hero for, uh, in comedy uh, to me. Wow. So this is a, uh, a special treat, dude. Maybe if you did Al Gore as the cow, they would have uh, been more uh, acceptable, you know? <laughs> Maybe. We can't live in the past, Adam. We've got to look at <laughs> We've got to move forward. Our best for days sure. are all up ahead. For sure. I love it. Sword. Adam, thanks so much for being on our podcast. Great hanging, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you being here, man. Uh, love Anytime. you, buddy. We've, we've known each other a long time, so I appreciate you being on there. Anytime, brother. Yeah, absolutely. You guys be good. All you right, guys buddy, take cool. care. Bye, Daryl. See you, man. Chris. Take we'll care. We'll do shows together at one point sometime soon. But uh, yeah, Adam mm. Ray, man, that was him, guys. Uh, what a great guest! And uh, just, I got to tell our audience: if you don't know Adam, please look him up. Please look up his comedy; he's very funny. He puts out tons of content on his social media. This dude's a beast, uh, and you won't regret going to see him live. He's very, very funny. Kills every time. Always leaves the show on this big closer. Usually incorporates the audience. Has some sort of musical thing. It's very, very good. Um, and yeah, maybe you know, check out all his new uh, TV stuff. <sighs> Rock and I'm feeling other- diminished. What's that, at Daryl? We we managed to pull it off. I'm sorry about that technical difficulty. Yeah, that's all right. We had a little bit of technical difficulties, but uh, we'll tell you know, the magic of editing. We will edit it out like it never even happened. Uh, yeah. And before we go, let me just remind everybody one more time. Please add us on social media. He is at Daryl C. Hammond. I'm at Chris Milhouse. Our producers at Search, and uh, make sure you check out Daryl in Las Vegas coming up in uh, June. And then make sure you buy tickets to see Jim and I at 235th in New York City on Saturday, the 29th at uh, 8 p.m. So hopefully we'll see you guys at a live show. Uh, another great podcast in the books. We will be back next week with Mr. Jake Tapper. I'm excited for that one. I know Daryl is too. So. We will see. I actually am. I'm, I'm actually preparing. I'm doing. I'm reading a book. And Good. Yeah. Watch, I'm watching him every day. I, yeah, I mean, the I'm guy is just so formidable, too. so yeah. legit. Yeah, we can't got, wait. We've got a lot to talk with him about next week, and uh, we're on a, like a time limit with him because he's doing so much press for his book tour. So we only get him for about 40 minutes, but. Uh, we awesome. are excited to have him on and uh, we're excited that you guys keep listening. So make sure you hit subscribe and share all the posts and give us a good review. And uh, in the meantime, we will, uh, you guys have a great weekend and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>